HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Southern Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Hey, Greg. How are you, buddy? Oh, oh, you know, just 20th consecutive best day ever. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I think my number is getting close to that as well. Um, uh, so important to note that it's uh, sound a little awkward today. We're, we're doing this uh, remotely. We're all uh, you know, uh, staying at home and self-isolating. Uh, Greg's at his place in uh, uh, Brooklyn. I'm at my place in Greenpoint. Uh, we've got some guests that are going to come on as well from afar. Um, so, you know, sound quality may not be as you're uh, accustomed to, but please stay with us. It's going to be a good show. Um, so, Greg, what have you been up to for the last week? <laughs> <laughs> Um, just a lot of, a lot of, uh, trying to take walks and which involves a lot more mental calculus than it used to about how to stay six feet away from people. Um, it almost kind of turns it into a video game where like you have to, to be one of these chess grandmasters that can see six moves ahead of what everybody else is going to do. It's like, okay, that guy's crossing the street there and that lady is coming out of the right aid. So if I dodge around this car, I won't be hit by that bike messenger yet. And then I'll still keep a nice six foot radius around myself. Um, that's what I'm doing to stay sane. I, I have uh, actually been able to get um, some good work done on Bar None, which is good. So hopefully that's that's been in hibernation for a little while now. I'm hoping to wake it up soon. I'm not making any promises on dates because I've learned the hard way that that is a, a fool's errand these days. But hopefully we'll have some new content out there soon. And yeah, I've gotten really good at building a pillow fort to... Uh, capture the best possible sound quality when recording a podcast in my home <laughs> how about you it means some 
I'm doing the same, and that's what I've done here in my apartment. So, uh, so we can hear some street noise from other places right now, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, the soothing sounds of Brooklyn. My life right now is um, planning my next meal and cooking a meal. That's uh, that's kind of it. Uh, with television in between, uh, maybe uh, doing a couple of puzzles and reading some books. Um, it's a it's a very um, unusual pace for my life to be operating at. Yeah, exactly. That's I think one of the the reasons we I, I personally I think we both tried to be an advocate for finding ways to keep yourself, you know, busy and, and sane during this time, because we're in an industry of people that have very, that are used to having a mission and having a task and like to be busy. And I think for a lot of people not being busy, having, having to artificially create ways to be busy on the fly is trying, but necessary to get through this. Well, yeah, um, you know, uh, restrictions uh, generate creativity, you know, so we're seeing a lot of uh, creative outlets being um, explored from, from our friends, you know, lots of cool uh, posts and videos and, and, you know, even poetry and music being a lot of on, on social media, you know, the, the only way we can be close right now is, is through social media. Exactly, and it's a good thing we have it, too, because it's uh, it's... I, I have yeah. found it's it's much weird. More time. This would be a much more lonely time if uh, if we didn't have uh, you know such easy access to one another through uh, social media. So you know we can be grateful for that at least. Exactly, and in a lot of ways, our world has gotten smaller. Like I haven't gotten on a subway train in about a month, which every time I think about it just makes my fucking head explode. But. You know, I'm also staying in regular touch with people that I know in Iceland and Tanzania and Berlin, and I see them about as regularly as I see people that live 10 minutes away from me. Yeah, I'm curious uh, if this um, will become habit after all this is over, you know, if we'll stay uh, as closely knit as we're becoming because of this, uh, you know, exercise. It'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see if to-go drinks stick around after this, too. Uh, I'm hoping, talk about that someday, right? I'm hoping that uh, this at least maybe um, makes some wiggle room for new legislation to be handed down. You know, one of the problems that is uh, lamented is that uh, at the end of prohibition, the federal government made the, I think, unwise decision to let uh, all 50 states create their own laws surrounding liquor sale and distribution, which means that there's just a you know, just a giant tangle of red tape out there. So I'm hopeful that maybe that'll loosen some of those things and maybe we'll, we'll all get on like a little bit of a, a better uh, equilibrium. And yeah, I'd like to see us being able to sell the bottled cocktails, uh, you know, for delivery and to-go purposes. Um, uh, you know, I don't think we will get to New Orleans status. <laughs> but, but if you could call in, you could call in and order food from my kitchen, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to order a cocktail from my, my bar as well. Exactly. And I think, you know, because we're being hit so hard as an industry, we're at the we're we're at a position in the national conversation that we're not used to being like people. I think it was it was kind of a given that if you lived in a major city on any night of the week, you could go out to a restaurant and get a hamburger if you wanted. And now that you can't do that. 
I think people are are starting to examine a sector of our industry that um, they'd taken for granted for a while. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully we'll see some positive change coming about of that. And speaking of positive change, and speaking of getting hamburgers, uh, let's introduce our guests, shall we? Yeah, bring them in. All right. Uh, so we have Herminio Torres from Illegal Mezcal. Well, they're all from Illegal Mezcal. We have Herminio Torres. We have Lindsay Rexer, and we have Gilbert. Uh, help me out with your last name. Dan. So, so I was so close to a bingo there. Gilbert Marquez, all from Illegal Mezcal, joining us by phone. How y'all doing, guys? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, trying to work on my pillow board as well. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, it definitely creative about this, but um, uh, I think that there's nothing more creative than trying to build a tower out of pillows. Exactly. It's I I conduct every interview in fear that right when I'm getting the best tape, it's all going to come crashing down. <laughs> all anyone's going to hear is an avalanche of, of goose down and memory foam. <laughs> oh, you got the fancy pillows. I have the, the, the faux cotton ones. <laughs> I, have, I have one fancy pillow. It's, it's being supported by all the unfancy ones. <laughs> Well, the the reason that I um, you all obviously don't make hamburgers, you guys make mezcal, which is delicious, by the way. But the reason that I reference that um, in introducing you all is that you guys are working on an, an interesting project these days when it comes to takeout from coast to coast. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, actually, we have we have uh, Herminio has been spearheading a lot of this. Um, uh, to get uh, some takeout to um, first responders. For many of you, want to talk a little bit about Hosp United? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, before we, we get into Hosp United, uh, you know, I just want to touch uh, a little more on, on that uh, that you're talking about, Greg. Uh, we put together uh, this map via Google Maps. You know, you can do kind of like your own custom maps uh, with places and notes uh, and I have put out a Facebook post just uh, asking anyone in the industry uh, to add or tag places that they knew uh, that were open and uh, to add a note you know if they're doing takeout if they're doing delivery if they're doing cocktails to go and there was some traction on that and we decided to do it uh, as a national approach uh, with Illegal so we recently just launched uh this link, which is a custom map, uh, which is a national map. It covers not only uh, the on-premise where, you know, you can find bars, restaurants uh, that are doing cocktails, delivery, takeout, but also uh, liquor stores, uh, local mom-and-pop uh, liquor stores. And again, being like, like we said, uh, not a federally regulated uh, industry, uh, some places operate more uh, on the chain level, so adding uh, those chains there too, but each single uh, one has their own icon. So it's live, it's on our website, uh, it's, it's really uh, up-to-date uh, and easy to use. What's the website? Uh, it's uh, elegalmescal.com. Right on. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing some challenges with even trying to keep up such a digital masterpiece. Um, because, you know, even for my own self, uh, you know, every single week uh, we're, we're altering the hours and uh, offering. We're, you know, we're having to pivot weekly. It's not just the, uh, you know, we didn't just decide, well, we'll do this and this will be our plan. A plan that had to change somewhat daily 
Um, so I'm sure it's a, a monumental task to keep up with that stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. tough, you know. Uh, so it, I think we started this March like 16th or 17th uh, in New York when they pretty much virtually overnight said we're closing out, you know, the majority of the places. A lot of places uh, decided, hey, we're going to change our model um, to never having delivery, never having takeout, to all of a sudden overnight attempting to, you know, build all these online platforms with Grubhub, Seamless, uh, Uber Eats, and try to integrate that business uh, and change their model. Uh, and, you know, at the beginning, I think it was like 120 plus locations in New York that I was actively updating. And within two or three days, I had to go back into that and half of them were gone already. It was just not a sustainable model for a lot of places. So this website is as up to date as can possibly be with the ever, you know, changing nature of, of uh, what we're facing now. But uh, I would say that it is, yeah, as, as accurate as possible, and we're keeping tabs, making sure that uh, all the information is, is as current as can be. I mean, that's phenomenal. That's got to be helping uh, a lot of businesses uh, at least taking some revenue and you know, uh, put at bay some of the hand wringing that's going on. The anxiety level is at a red line for all of us right now. Well, and also yeah, it's, after you. Yeah, it's it's uh it's tough, you know. So I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and, and you guys may have a better answer for this, but uh, Seamless, Grubhub, and all of these online platforms are no longer taking any fees, right? Uh, I've read mixed uh, mixed accounts of that. Some are, some aren't, uh, and some of them are, are still being sort of nefarious. And there's a in charge uh, uh, that comes off. Uh, uh, but uh, no, at least you know they're they're making some efforts to help. You know they understand that the, that their survival is contingent on the survival of the places that they uh, you know uh, that they deliver for. So uh, you know it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense to them to protect their own investment in that way. Yeah, and that's I think the effort also with compiling this and just having, uh, I mean, you've got the full address, you've got uh, a map basically opening up and giving you all the information about that place uh, and encouraging you just, you know, to call um, because it's just, it's so easy now to go on an app, but again, just that it's not confirmed whether, you know, people are still taking, by people in these organizations, these companies are still taking 30% or not. Um, Just making sure that people call, pick up the phone and, uh, order that 30% matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it's tremendous, uh, especially when we're talking about, you know, uh, grinding the gears down, you know, from from our normal you know, sales, uh, literally inside of, I'm, for my businesses anyway, we're the, the ones that are still fairly open, uh, are, you know, we're, we're running at, at less, less than 5% of the typical revenue that we take in. So, you know, to take away from anything from that is taking you know, uh, you know, the, the old saying I think is uh, we're polishing the brass on the Titanic but I, I've changed it a little I think we're, we're trying to bail out the Titanic with a shot glass <laughs> <laughs> seems appropriate well and the, the other thing about this is that all of these companies have had to you know it, it's it's not just that they're trying to figure out okay how do I um 
how do I let people know that I'm still doing delivery? It's how do I switch my entire operational business model from what it was two weeks ago to what it has to be now and adding an extra layer of like, okay, and then logistically, how do I let people know that this is what they can have? And we don't have that one thing that they liked, but we have this second thing that they also liked. It seems like a a logistical nightmare. So it's good that you guys are taking some of that pressure off. Yeah, well, um, especially for Eva, a lot of us uh, have been restaurant people or are restaurant people, and um, restaurant people are some of the most resilient people in the world, um, and also very adaptable. We can we, we can we can change, you know. Um, we can adapt to different situations. Running out of your well, running out of obviously this is this is uh, much more intense, but. Um, um, but any little problem that happens in the kitchen, that type of thing, where we easily adapt to it, or at least do our best to adapt to it, and I think that uh, that really has been um, uh, helpful for a lot of people who are trying to figure out what to do next. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Well, you guys, I mean, as as a brand, you all, I, I remember on like day one when the restaurants were shut down, you guys were like the first ones out of the trenches um, as, as a brand. What was it like? You know, I, I remember specifically it was the weekend of March 14th and 15th where it went from, oh, maybe we'll be okay to fuck, this is bad. So what was that like for you guys as you sort of put your heads together and, and mobilize? Well, uh, again, um, Illegal is a brand that drives with, uh, through uh, our partnerships with people that we have real relationships with. So it was uh, picking up the phone calling people, asking people not what can I do for you or giving people options, it's what do they need, you know? Um, and uh, more often than not, it was uh, helping out with uh, getting the word out of these uh, cocktails to go and that type of thing, but really just reaching out. And I think Herminio is actually one of the first people uh, that I've seen uh, I'm not sure you were at Pony Boy or one of these bars, I forget which bar, uh, picking up uh, bottled cocktails to go and delivering them to, to people. So um, we are a group of self-starters, <laughs> and uh, it, w- it was kind of just in our nature to reach out to everybody and see what anyone needed. Yeah, and, and Herminia, we, we touched a little bit earlier on uh, Hosp United, but let's circle back to that now. What What is that program that you're working on? Yeah, so Hosp United uh, started about a week and a half ago. It was uh, March 26th, and just backtracking a little bit uh, there, you know, March 15th, 16th is when, uh, frankly, shit hit the fan. 
you know, we virtually, we had a meeting early in March and we're like, hey, you know, this, this coronavirus thing is really happening. Um, what's what's uh, the landscape looking like? And everything seemed normal. And then three days later, uh, we all hopped on the phone and it was whiplash, you know. Uh, and as far as like Gilbert said, we, it was just, uh, for me, the way I thought about it was this is, this is loss. You're processing this uh, like you would process the loss of a loved one, a friend. Uh, you know, you go through the same feelings. You may have not lost uh, a person, but you, you know, lost uh, your staff. You've lost your business that you've been working on for so many years. So the first week, collectively, I think we were just like, like Gilbert said, picking up the phones, just making sure that everyone was okay. And I think that first three or four days there was collective uh, kind of like shell shock going on and we were just trying we were there ready on the sidelines for whatever someone said this is how you can help me uh, with that said a week passed and a co-worker of mine uh, in North Carolina Mikey reached out at 11pm and he was like hey uh, I have a friend of mine who's a doctor over in the South Bronx uh, he is practicing at Lincoln Medical Center. Uh, do you know any places that are open now? Uh, I told him, I was like, Mike, to be honest with you, I, it's, it's a big city. I'll take a look at what I can find for Bronx Medical Center. Uh, just pass me the doctor's number. Spoke to the doctor and, uh, you know, he was telling me, listen, Lincoln Medical Center is uh, top four, top five busiest ERs in the nation. They see more patients than pretty much almost every other hospital in New York City. They're in the South Bronx. They're working uh, two shifts, uh, 12 hours each, 8 to 8. Uh, and they're ordering food. And from the places that, that are open, uh, a lot of them would be hesitant to deliver because it's a hospital. And they're trying, you know, these, these restaurants, these takeout joints are trying to limit the contact or potential uh, contagion to their staff, which is, is understandable. So uh, I whipped up a website and we put together uh, Hospitality Workers United. Uh, and the concept of that was you cannot spell hospitality without hospital. It's all hand in hand. So uh, the concept was to feed those to help heal us. And uh, we're working it in, in two models. Uh, the first one is uh, raise funds, and these funds will go towards buying meals uh, at the places that are currently open. Uh, a lot of these places uh, decided to partner up with us and offer subsidized meals at a set rate, uh, usually between uh, four and six dollars per meal. And we take the donations. We go to you know, for example, we've worked heavily with, uh, with Lapa Lapa, with Odaya Takari in Brooklyn. And for Lapa Lapa today, for example, uh, later on tonight, I'm going to go. There's going to be 60 meals. They're going to be $5 each. We take $300 from the donations that have rolled in and pay for that. Then personally deliver the meals up to Lincoln Medical Center. Uh, they have... 60 workers, uh, 60 medical workers every shift, so it's 120 people that we're trying to help feed every day, seven days a week until this is over. Uh, so just doing that math, uh, 
you know, we're, we're hoping that the donations keep trickling in. And after I've spoken to many uh, restaurateurs uh, that had a takeout model and that weren't affected, but in turn, you know, they got more business, whether it be 20, 30% more business because other places are shipped on that model. Uh, they said, listen, I'm able to uh, join your cause and donate meals for those 60 workers. You know, one place is doing one day a week. Uh, El Gallo in Brooklyn is doing twice a week. So we're building now uh, this this network of uh, restaurants that want to help uh, feed medical workers. And it's expanded from Lincoln Medical Center to we're doing uh, NYU Langone, we're doing New York Presbyterian, actually right before this call, we had just delivered another 50 meals there. Um, we've got Mount Sinai in the works, uh, SUNY Downstate, and Coney Island Hospital in Brooklyn also in the works. And as this is progressing, just as you know, uh, the virus is changing day to day, this uh, initiative is morphing day to day. So um, we're, we're looking uh, to add on beverage sponsors so we've got a potential partnership with a coffee brand coming up we've got a partnership with uh, matcha bar they're going to be providing um, hustle which is their energy drink uh, to hospitality workers so not only are they now getting food but they're getting food and a drink um, and you know after speaking with a lot of the, the hospital workers they just say it's the relief is amazing we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat we can just focus on helping people stay alive. Um, and the, the morale boost is is enough to just keep this going um, because they are, you know, the frontline workers. They're, they're the ones having to go face this, work 12 hours, sometimes 24 hour shifts, leave, deal with the trauma and come back and clock in every single day. Uh, and they do that six, seven days a week. So. Uh, you know, given the position that we're in right now with Eli Dahl, uh, John Rexer, the owner of Eli Dahl, uh, I think I can say this for all of us on the call, we're not only happy to, you know, call him our employer, we're happy uh, to call him a friend, a role model, a true leader. Uh, and I think everything that he does really can be seen uh, through Eli Dahl and, and the uh, philanthropy does and it trickles down to absolutely every one of us John was kind enough to uh, beat 100% retention uh, of our jobs for absolutely everyone across the board in the US our partners in Oaxaca as well as uh, the rest of the uh, bar Cafe Nose that he operates the businesses that he operates in Guatemala so you know given the circumstances that that I'm in the you know, inaction is easy. Inaction is, hey, listen, I've got everything taken care of. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna wait till this passes. But, you know, I'm lucky to have a vehicle uh, and connections in the hospitality industry to do something about it. So, you know, we're, we're, we're out there. We're just uh, trying to get things done and be as creative as possible uh, while being as efficient as possible. That's fantastic, man. This, this, this initiative is incredible, and I applaud you for, for taking it on. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's very important that we feel that front line, right? We gotta we gotta get those people to feel what they need to get through the day. And uh, as you mentioned, it's probably a tremendous morale booster as well as just a, a sheer relief of not having to 
and to think, you know, I know even just a, a busy shift for me at the bar sometimes, just even thinking about how and where I'm going to get a meal is, is tough, and that's in normal times and not nearly so um, critical uh, of a position uh, in the community. Um, what I want to, what I would wonder though is like, you know, I'm a bit angry and upset with the government for not, just, you know, offering more assistance to our sector, um, and I feel like. Uh, not for nothing, I'm out of work, a lot of folks are out of work, and, and we're still trying to rely on donations, I feel like that, that, that's going to that's gonna come to a trickle pretty soon, right? People are going to be a little bit more um, spendthrift as time continues to go on. Well, and also, we, we talked earlier about the, um, the, the, there was an article in Forbes yesterday uh, about how the the CARES Act, the massive stimulus package we've all been hearing about coming through Congress, doesn't re- it? It has a lot of holes in it when it comes to our industry, um, and and you know, for example, the the conditions on there that you could use to turn your loan into a grant uh, aren't necessarily feasible if you apply to the restaurant model. Uh, I do not personally write for Forbes, so I'd invite all of our listeners to go and check it out. Um, but the, the point of the article is that, you know, for people that don't have like a very, you know, mom and pop hardware store, small business model, like you said, Souther, we're kind of relying on donations. And are you guys at all concerned about um, how to keep that going for the amount of time that we're going to need it? Well, I think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead Gilbert. Yeah, well, I think um, that is really concerning. You know, the, the fact that the government... Um, has kind of overlooked the whole restaurant industry. But I think we're taking it a day at a time. Um, we are uh, trying to help our, our friends and um, uh, people we work with, people we work with closely, um, trying to help them day by day. I, I, I don't really know what's going to happen or how the industry is going to... Um, be in a couple of years or once this passes hopefully hopefully very soon um, but we are uh, taking it day by day and adjusting with and rolling with the punches and taking the punches if we need to uh, but more than anything just trying to be there and present for uh, people who we can help because we are in a we are pretty fortunate that uh we know that, that we are, are here and we're illegal and we're not going anywhere. Um, but we want to make sure that a lot of the bars that we like to uh, go into and, and have drinks with our friends are going to be there too. So kind of just taking it one step at a time. I mean, uh, it's very uncertain in general for everybody. So uh, for us to have the, the magic eight ball on what exactly to do, uh, we don't. Uh, but we do know that uh, we have a large crew of big-hearted people who want to help out their um, their coworkers, their peers, uh, and their fellow managers in general. Yeah, Greg Seller. Honestly, uh, I'm right there with you on, and I think all of us, uh, even on, on the brand side, the supplier side, all the other different uh, parts of the hospitality industry, are completely, utterly just pissed off with the way things are going. Uh, 
and it, it goes down and trickles down into absolutely every level of the hospitality industry. Uh, there has to be better federal resolutions uh, put in place that help hospitality workers. I was having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine who's a chef and owns a restaurant, and she was basically saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm being asked to commit financial suicide by taking out all these loans at what they say are favorable rates of, you know, two, three, four percent. Um, you know, five hundred thousand dollar loans at that you're at a mortgage. That's a house. Yeah. What am I, how am I gonna pay that back? There's an uncertainty in the sense of I don't know how long I'm gonna have to shut for. You know, what if this is not something that is over by the end of April, that instead over uh, you know, end of July, end of August. That's that's just unsustainable. And you know, my fear is that um, it, it's going to be a hard hit for our industry, and a lot of places may not come back. Um, and I've already spoken to some people who, you know, they in their minds are willing to to take that sacrifice to just make sure that their staff is okay. Whereas I'll take out a loan, I will go bankrupt, but as long as you know, like talking about the Titanic, I'm the captain of, of this Titanic, uh, and I'm going to make sure that everyone gets on that raft, even if I have to go down alone. Yeah, yeah. These are like heartbreaking and um, gut wrenching decisions that people are making, and I think that it's when we talk about the federal government's uh, lack of response to this industry, I feel like one of the problems is that. Um, uh, no, they're not paying attention to the ecosystem that is the industry. You know, we're talking bars and restaurants. That means the guy who delivers my linen service to our business. That means the guy who, uh, obviously, the truckers who bring in the, the beer, wine, and liquor are going to go down. The liquor distributors are maybe going to go back. You know, the farmers are, are have trouble. Like, all the delivery teams from all these places that do have delivery, the, the, the tertiary is like uh, and, and, and Uber Eats and Drugmart, et cetera. You know, that, that, that's going to affect um, the new side of our business, which is pretty strong. You know, that there's no bars and restaurants, there's nothing to write about. You know, that drives advertising dollars. Like, the, the ecosystem is much more vast, I think, than the federal government is giving it credit for as the third largest uh, employer in, in the country, you know? Definitely. And, you know, uh, another layer to this is, you know, uh, Gilbert, myself, we're both first-generation Mexican-Americans. We've both grown up in the hospitality industry. You know, I, I'm 30. I've been in the industry since 14, you know, busing and been learning about it. So it's also going to affect the uh, immigrant or the undocumented worker population most immediately than anyone else, you know. Uh, you have dishwashers who are working for sub uh, minimum wage and you know you can't save money there's no savings there's no safety net they are most oftentimes heads of households that are you know taking care of a family and also trying to send remittance money back to mexico uh virtually overnight they have zero uh rights to them they're the invisible mass workforce that is going to be facing really really serious uh consequences and, you know, hard, hard to make uh, decisions where it's, do I fly back to my homeland? Uh, you know, am I now not going to be able to feed my children? Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, 
with that with that said, I also want to uh, bring Lindsay into this conversation because Lindsay, as as this all angers us, angers us, it's easy to just take that anger and Saul's going to just be completely pissed off, right? But uh, Lindsay spent the last few weeks uh, putting together a a document for uh, hospitality workers, uh, which basically gives you information uh, as to you know an organization, the number, what they're doing, how to reach them. And, uh, you know, it, it encompasses that, it encompasses, uh, uh, what do you call it, the uh, undocumented workers uh, organizations that are helping them too. So we put together these resources to also lessen the burden of, you know, having to do all that research uh, when you're already facing a tough time. Yeah, Lindsay, would you like to elaborate on the initiative? Um, yeah. So. Hey, um, Hermione. I I built out a resource that just has everything for anyone, but really directed towards the hospitality and beverage industry. Um, and it's resources from like utility support payments um, to needing meals to where you can go if you need shelter um, to basic healthcare. Um, and a big one on there is the USBG, the Bartender Guild. Um, and we've made a large donation to them because we also are really supporting what they're doing. And that's very focused on the beverage industry. Um, and they're taking applications and is everyone that is like touching alcohol anyway. So is it the bar bath? Is it people washing the dishes? Um, the bartenders? And they're really focused on getting out money as possible to support people that just lost everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 a time when uh, the old mantra of like, if you have the ability to do good, <clears throat> you have the responsibility to do good comes into play. And it's been hard to see a lot of people with the ability to do good cough, cough, federal government cough, not do too much good for a major, major sector of the American economy. But it has been heartening to see a lot of um, brands, individuals, organizations stepping forward to help people who, you know, have have been affected by this, who don't have a lot of visibility in our national landscape. Definitely is important. I mean, uh, just the, the brand is, is uh, is made up of uh, like-minded people who have very similar values. So it was really easy for us to uh, just make this pivot and uh, start working with uh, local bars and just our community in general. Um, it, it was it was uh, surprising and unprecedented, as everybody says. But but also uh, there's no brand that I or there's no team that I know that would have been better prepared to make this sort of uh, change in focus. Um, and we were, uh, and we've always been super uh, in love with our community and uh, have a lot of love for our community. And uh, this was honestly, um, it is honestly just very tough to see what some of our friends are going through. Um, so that makes it easier for us to want to get up, stand up, and help. Yeah, but it's you know it's still commendable uh, knowing that uh, you know, there's plenty uh, there's plenty of people out there who be doing things who maybe aren't. And again, you know, obviously directing my eye towards the federal government, um, but you no, know, uh, 
And also, there's just lots of people who maybe don't know how to help. And I think when you create well, for them, it makes it a little easier. Well, this is a difficult part um, that we are directly told to social distance and self-isolate. So um, us going out and uh, doing our best to stay safe uh, is not exactly um, is not exactly the easiest thing to do when everybody is telling us to just stay put, just stay home. But um, uh, taking proper precautions, I think, is of the utmost importance, and I think we're we're uh, we're pretty prepared to do that, and we have been doing that. So, um, but that's why I do kind of understand certain people just. I mean, I don't understand why the government would, but I don't. I do understand why other people would uh, just social distance and stay home and stay put. Yeah, you see our brand. You see Iladal. I think Iladal's track record speaks for for itself. Uh, when it comes to that, you know, uh, as as far back as uh, you know, Chick Fil A uh, making derogatory remarks about the LGBT community, we immediately instead of you know putting a poster up of a, a, a bottle and saying you know drink you all, it was hey, here's a campaign denouncing those those uh, messages that they put out. You're familiar with our campaign that's run longer than we hoped for, the Donald Edison Pendejo campaign. Again, we could easily use those ad dollars to, you know, fund uh, some, you know, poster or wild posting of uh, a bottle and a glass, and again, just saying, like, hey, guys, you let all this down, drink it. But no, you know, we said, hey, this guy uh, offended it a lot of our communities, a lot of our people, uh, and a lot of these people do not have a voice, and those who have a voice, it's it's not very amplified. So let's let's take these marketing dollars and let's tell the world that Donald it is un pendejo. You know that goes right back to the to the uh, federal government, and it continues to, to go on uh, to this day. Like again, it could be easy for us to just uh, keep posting about you know go buy a bottle, go do this. Uh, Go drink it, but you know I think it's the, in these moments your your most uh, impactful actions are are being there for the community, like putting the business aspect aside. And, and yeah, in the end, you have to, to remain sustainable as a business, but putting a pause on it and and seeing it as a human being, and you know that human element of okay, how how can I help my immediate community that, that is in need right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough work and I really appreciate you doing it. Um, let's, uh, let's pivot this conversation a little bit and talk um, uh, a little bit more about like the hacking time. Let's talk about Illegal Mezcal. Tell me, tell me all about it. So Illegal Mezcal is an artisanal mezcal made in Mataplan. Its heart is in uh, Lantigua, Guatemala, and um, a lot of, uh, basically our home base is in New York. Um, it is, it was uh, started by John Rexer. John Rexer, uh, 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 Hermenio actually spoke about him a little bit before, as our leader, <laughs> as our good friend, uh, a true leader. But uh, John Rexer is also a world traveler, and a true renaissance man. He's pretty much had any every job. Uh, truly the most interesting man in the world. Anyway, so John 
um, lived in uh, Huntington, Long Island, or is from Huntington, Long Island. But um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, decided to move to, and actually traveled down to South America and Mexico. Lived in Mexico for a bit, um, and uh, his travels took him further south. Landed in a small city called uh, La Antigua Guatemala. La Antigua Guatemala is cobblestone streets, pastel-colored walls, uh, surrounded by three, uh, I believe all of them are active, active volcanoes, um, and decided to open up the first mezcal bar outside of Mexico. And uh, he didn't know that at the time the, uh, the mayor was religious and uh, the city was pretty much dry and didn't have mezcal. So he wanted to open up this first mezcal bar outside of Mexico and it just wasn't possible. He calls his distributors and he goes to the liquor stores and tries to find mezcal and he just finds like the, steep, the cheap stuff and plastic jugs and that type of thing and bottles of tequila. So he says, well, shit, uh, all I have is bottles of tequila. I can't really open up a mezcal bar like this. So John decides to take a 24-hour bus ride from Guatemala, from Latino Guatemala to, uh, to uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, and start, uh, I guess, uh, creatively transporting uh, the mezcal back into Guatemala. John said, I, was never, I never intended to be a booze smuggler. <laughs> but uh, I was a bar owner with a supply problem, and that has uh, that story. Uh, so he start, he takes his twenty four hour uh, bus ride up into Mexico, uh, starts to find the best mezcal that, that that was the most palatable for himself, and and just uh, just the profile that he was looking for. Starts bringing that back. He starts bringing it back in backpacks, then uh, duffel bag stuff. Uh, boxes and then boxes turn into pallets on rafts and then he's paying off the, the, the local government and he's paying off the local gangs and the cartels uh, before you know it, he has this whole smuggling operation uh, and he does a sort of he kind of he kind of wakes up one day and says shit this is getting really fucking dangerous um, so he decides to create this brand called Illegal which is a tip of the hat to uh, the history of smuggling, but this is kind of um, just what the brand has been uh, founded on, just our our, our 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 philosophy and just our ability to be adaptable uh, comes all the way from the origination story. Yeah, it's amazing, it's an amazing story, and I, I love I love when I hear it. Um, and it's a great gift as well. Um, so let's wrap up the show here and um, sound off with those. Um, uh, those email, or sorry, uh, those website addresses where people can get a hold of all this information that we talked about on the show today. Yeah, you can find a full list of all of the bars uh, that we are working with and all the bars that actually are having uh, takeout cocktails and also takeout food on our homepage, on our website, illegalmestical.com. Easy enough. I you want to get the hospital added. Sounds like he went to get a tequila. Oh, <laughs> he's he's creatively sourcing some mezcal as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, I'm I'm pretty sure the website is just hospunited.org. I believe it's .org. Um, and I'd also like to say that if, if anyone is curious about um, some ongoing uh, COVID relief uh, resources, I have them saved on my Instagram story highlights. I posted them a little while ago when we talked to John DeBerry. They're still there, including the number for the Capitol switchboard in Washington, D.C. If you feel so moved to call up your representatives and uh, let them know that you would like more aid for restaurants, which is the third largest uh, employer in the country in the next iteration of the CARES package, by all means, use use some of that quarantine time to give them a buzz and let them know how you feel. Yeah, as, as I always say, use this time to be creative, constructive, and, uh, you know, uh, if you want to reach Hospitality United, Hospitality Workers United, you can go to uh, Hospitality yeah. United. Sorry, guys, I realize that, you know, have you ever had that moment where you're on a call, when you're on an office call, you're, call, you're talking and talking, and then you realize that you're on mute? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's Hospitality united.com h-o-s-p united.com right on um excellent and you guys uh illegal has an instagram page that people can look to as well yeah yeah that's uh at illegal mezcal one l i-l-e-g-a-l m-e-z-c-a-l uh on instagram awesome uh, I really want to thank you all for being here today. I want to thank you even further than that for all the initiatives that you're putting forward and trying to, you know, uh, again, bail out the Titanic with a shot glass. Um, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day of doing all the things you are doing to sit down and talk to us on the phone um, for this episode of the Speakeasy. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sound in the end. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>